Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department Podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their beginnings, their successes, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is author and illustrator Shauna J.C. Tenney. Her career path has been long and fraught with struggle, but as you'll see, she exemplifies two qualities all illustrators need, purpose and perseverance. Among other topics, we talk about why an illustrator sometimes needs to break up with their agent. We discuss Shauna's excellent but short-lived podcast, Stories Unbound, and why she describes its end as bittersweet. And with the help of Mercer Mayer, we talk about accepting rejection. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Are you from Utah originally? Yes, I have been here my whole life. It's kind of it's kind of sad and unadventurous. Oh, I don't know about that. I've been in I've been to Utah several times. One is uh, you're responsible for one of those trips, and we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Another trip was uh, my sister in law has a house in St. George, Utah, Southern hmm. Utah. Oh my God, it's so beautiful over there. I mean, Utah in general yeah. is just just breathtaking. Did you go to Zion National Park while you were there? No, I didn't. Well, if you go there again, you got to go to Zion National Park. I will. It's my favorite. Yep. How's how are things like? Obviously, in New York, things are a little, still a little scary. Uh, not right. a little scary. They're still scary. Period. Um, yeah. With respect to COVID, I kind of don't hear anything about or from Utah. It's almost like you guys figured out the cure and you're just not telling anybody. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah, I was, I was talking with um, my aunts. One's in North Carolina, one's in Iowa. They said, like, is it out of, like, 100,000 people? In Iowa, there's, like, 12 people and out of 100,000. I, I don't know if I'm getting the things right. right. In North Carolina, there's like five. And then the, like in Utah, there's like one. So I think we're really low ratio. Yeah. Um, but you still see like all, you still see, I still wear a mask to the store. Right. But there's like tons of people that don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the yellow phase. Okay. So we're on, we're getting on lower risk, I guess. I don't know what color uh, phase we're, we're in. Chartreuse, who knows? I I, I have no idea. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, and I I don't know why more people don't have it because it seems like people don't care here as much, maybe. But who knows? It's, it's, I've mentioned this on several, in several episodes, just in, just in passing, talking to other folks, like it's hard to wrap your head around. It's hard to, articulate how you feel about it because it, on one hand as a human uh, particularly one who has children and is cooped up in a, in a smallish space you want to not mm-hmm. do, you, you want to not quarantine anymore at the same time you obviously want to make sure everyone is safe not just your right. family but your neighbors and things so it's and then you see news items about folks like just having good old blasts on beaches and other states and you're you know hold up in your room and stuff so it's it's uh, a challenge it is a challenge it is yeah. it's been very hard for my kids what what's what's been the most challenging for them 
Um, just not being able to go to friends' houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it has been nice to have, have technology, and they can yeah. they can chat online to their friends. But right. it's just it's still not it's still hard just not being with people in person because I just I think we need that you know oh, definitely. So. How what's the hardest part about it for you? It's it's been the the homeschooling. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> trying to trying to homeschool while uh, trying to work. And yeah, I get like all these emails from all these teachers and I'm like, I can't read all these. It's, it's overwhelming. Oh, so. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Shauna. Yeah. My daughters are in fourth grade and mm-hmm. they check their homework. They check what they need to do. They do it and they're, they're pretty responsible for it. Thank goodness. Um, but I do check their inboxes just to see like, are there any emails that they really need to read? Is there anything that they're missing? You know, just staying on top of things, mm-hmm. trying to anyway. And one of my daughters, before 9 a.m., had 14 new emails Ugh. in her inbox. 14. She's <laughs> nine years old. Oh, my goodness. How are they? Yeah. Oh. it's. I, I don't even want to get into it. Crazy. Even though I just asked the question. Yeah, it is. Um, right. <laughs> so uh, speaking of school, you kind of got into art accidentally. So there was a scheduling snafu that plunked you squarely (laughs) into the AP art program at your school. And that's kind of like what led you to thinking about illustration. So what, what ended up happening there? Well, I, you know, I'd always loved um, drawing um, ever since I was little. And I think I, I did it so much. I was, you know, kind of on my own a lot, big imagination and that would, and I would just love to draw. So I, I, I did it so much that I would get a lot of praise for it. Like, um, ever since I was like in first grade, um, I remember telling my teacher that like on the first day of school, I'm an artist Mm -hmm. for a while. I wanted to be a ballerina. I (laughs) went to ballet five days a week. Um, Uh sometimes six days a week. It was like a huge part of my life, but I slowly over time realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't really want that lifestyle and I injured my knee and plus I was, I'm five, ten and a half. So that's a little too tall. So when I was a junior in high school, I decided to take an art class again and I signed up for a, a drawing class and that drawing class fell during my orchestra. So they randomly put me in an AP art class, not even knowing like how good or not good I was. But I guess it was a a blessing in disguise because I was in that class for a couple years. And during that time I decided that I, that's what I wanted to do for a career and uh, ended up getting some uh, scholarships and stuff from that. So that was kind of how I decided to be an artist. Right. Where, Where, what town were you in? Like Eagle Mountain or some other place? No, I grew up in um, Taylorsville, Utah. Okay. It's like about, it's like an hour away from where I went to school. So Brigham Young was an hour away. I first went to UVSC, which is now UVU. Um, it was Utah Valley State College. Now it's Utah Valley University, but okay. it was only a two-year program then. And then from there at the time, um, BYU had the best illustration program in the state and so that's where I went to get my bachelor's I mean forget the state it's got one of the best illustration programs 
in the country. Yeah, it's like really good. Yeah, in the conversations about art school, you obviously hear about all the all the whichevers, the the Pratts, the SVAs, Micahs, RISDs, and whatever. And then Brigham Young, just kind of like everyone's all arguing about which art school is the best and whatever, whatever. And Brigham Young's just doing its own thing on the side, just laughing at everybody, yeah. <laughs> producing some insane artists. I mean, just wonderful work. Right. Everyone I know who's, a, who's an illustrator who went to Brigham Young is a great artist, is just a great illustrator, technically sound, you know, just... Yeah, good yeah. on your shoulders, that kind of thing. Yeah. We had really good training there for sure. Right. Yeah. So I heard UVU, and that rings a bell for me. Is 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 Will Terry kind of somehow intertwined here? Because does didn't he teach at UVU? He did for a while. Yeah. Okay. Not while I was there, but right. There's no yeah. overlap there. Talking about um, artists from Utah, I don't know if they're born in Utah, but when I think of Utah and I think of illustration. Um, Mark Pett comes to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. You come to mind. Uh, I know Leo's not from uh, Utah. Leo Espinoza is also there. There's just mm-hmm. really great. There's a great illustration community. Yeah, there really Utah. is. Yeah, and there's a good um, there's a good writing community too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great authors here too. All right, so you're at Brigham Young. You're saying to yourself, I, I want to be an illustrator. Were you looking at illustrators at that point? Like, who were some of your early influences? Well, really, really early influences. Like, when I was a kid, I was really into fairy, the fairy tale section of the library. Mm-hmm. So, I loved illustrated books by Mercer Mayer and Ruth Sanderson. And um, one of my favorite artists that I looked at a lot in college was Mary Grand Prix. She oh, was yeah. one of my big influences mm-hmm. back then. So, yeah. Of Harry Potter fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you graduated. What were some of your first kind of experiences after graduation? Two months after I graduated, I had a baby. So <laughs> uh, about a year after that, I was really motivated to start my illustration career because I was working at a retail store doing uh, at a frame shop. So started sending my stuff out. I got my first agent. Mm -hmm. She was an art rep. Got some of my first jobs. My, well, my first job was a magazine, children's magazine. But then my second job was a children's reader. And in school, I don't think I really understood that there was like an educational children's market and Mm -hmm. then a trade book children's market. And so I got this book and I was like, you know, so excited. I I'm thinking it's like a picture book (laughs) and I started doing it. I think I, I got my sketches in and I remember my agent telling me, it looks like you'll only have about 10 days to finish the paintings. And I, I was like, okay, I think I can, you know, I was thinking 10 days per painting because in school I had learned you would get like six months to a year to finish a book, but they were of course talking about trade picture books. I was like, okay, I think I could probably take, I was a really slow painter then. I was like, I could probably do 10 days per painting. I think that will be okay. But then she made me realize that it was just 10 days altogether. (laughs) 
and I had a one-year-old baby and it was, it was like the craziest time of my life. I don't think I got any sleep. My mom was watching my daughter and Mm -hmm. it was very crazy. Um, and I got a lot, then I, I started getting more jobs like that. I don't think, I don't know if any of them were that quick again, but (laughs) that was like, that was like a, a a crazy way to start my career for sure. When did your relationship with that first agent end and when did you pick up your second agent? I said goodbye to my first agent after about eight years of working with her. Okay. So it was was a decent amount of time. Right. I, I, I wanted to say goodbye sooner (laughs) because (laughs) I wanted to be in the trade book industry and she was getting me like all educational or religious uh, Mm -hmm. books. And I started turning down some of them because that was like all I was doing and I wasn't feeling fulfilled or happy. And so I started writing my own stories and about when I, I had my story ready to go. And then I said, okay, I think I'm ready to say goodbye Mm -hmm. and take the leap. I I think it's really, really scary to say goodbye to your first agent, especially when you like feel like, Oh no, I'll never get jobs again. Right. And you know, everyone listening to this knows how hard it is to get your first agent. That isn't something that's really discussed all that much, like breaking up with your agent. Right. I assume it was a fairly professional breakup. You know, it's just like, you know, it's not working out. All right, great. See you later. See you later. You both go your separate ways. Is that more or less how it works? Right. It was, it was very, yeah, it was very amicable. And, you yeah. know, we still, I still get some royalties from her and we're still, we're still friendly with each other. So it was, it was all good. Mm-hmm. And then um, a couple months after that, I went out with my um, my manuscript and got my second agent, who was a literary agent. Okay. And she got me my deal for Brunhilde's Backwards Day, which was the first book that I wrote and illustrated that got published. That is your personal project turned published book. Yes, that was your sort of like your introduction during Stories Unbound. Like I went from personal project to published author. And so what, it, it was a personal project that you just kind of were working on on the side. How was it a personal project? Just, you're doing it just for yourself? I decided that I was tired of illustrating other people's books. I uh-huh. got some really bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> and actually there was one. Shauna, hold on one second. For some reason, because we're recording a podcast, Cars have just driven by my home, honking their horns. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> of course, this is happening. Is it teachers? I. Do you hear that? Uh huh. Just lots of shouting and honking. Are they are they like teachers from the school saying we miss you? I don't know. I'm assuming something like that. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're just going to sit here and listen to some honks and beeps because of course we are. Of course. Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's just hilarious. It's funny too. I was later going to ask you about like some of the experiences you had while recording podcasts. Um, I'm assuming that a, dozen long dozen or so long line of cars just driving slowly by your home honking their horns probably not one of the experiences (laughs) dozens not just one dozen 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to edit some of this out. I might keep some of it in. Just because, you know what? You should totally keep some because it's hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> hold on. Hold on one second. Hold on one quick second. Yeah, so it's a, um, a tribute to it's a tribute to uh, first responders. That's cool. Yeah, it's just a you know another uh, feature of living here in Brooklyn. So that's, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Back to what we were talking about. So like in 2012, 13, somewhere around there, you you know you find yourself with a literary agent. Brunhilde gets sold. And this is a book that you were working on for a good nine years or so. And it, be, and it started off as a personal project, which for folks who've listened to Stories Unbound, I mean, that's how you kind of introduce yourself. You're like, you know, say, hi, I'm Sean. I'm an author and illustrator. And I went from personal project to published author, something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, how did you feel? How did you feel? <laughs> How does one feel when they they sell a book that they were working on for nine years? Yeah, it was a pretty amazing feeling because it was like, it was with a small publisher, but I wanted to publish it no matter what. I didn't Mm -hmm. get a huge advance or anything. Actually, it was very small, but I wanted to publish it and I was just so excited to publish it because Mm -hmm. it was, it was like my baby, you know, like it was like my what I really wanted to do is finally starting to happen around that time. So this is a good 10 years now after you graduated from college, some of the greats took quite a long time to get published. Tommy DePaula famously, you know, graduated from Pratt and he didn't sell his first book until 10 years later or publish his first book. Um, at that point, did you think to yourself, like I'm, I'm an, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually an author and illustrator. I've called myself that, but I'm I'm actually this. Or do you never quite feel comfortable saying out loud, "I'm an author and illustrator," even though you've done it? I do. I I, I feel comfortable with saying it now. Good. You know, when it came out, I think I thought that I would. You know, I was on the road now, and I could just, I was, I could just keep going, and I I would get all my stuff published now you right. know like the dam is broken but, now here come all the jobs <laughs> right yeah. um but it wasn't that way and that that was that was hard for me mm-hmm. I, I still feel like I'm an author and an illustrator and I and I'm good with saying that but it, it's it was definitely hard not having that happen how I thought it would mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm going to give up on it and you just have to be patient. I think in this industry, it's a big lesson in patience for sure. Right. And some of it is understandable. It's my view that some of it isn't. I think that <laughs> so much of how publishing in general operates sort of uses a more than its fair share of like illustrators goodwill equity it just kind of like keeps 
pulling mm. from that equity and keeps ladling on to illustrators these frustrations of you know not getting back to them and yeah, just all, all this, all these sort yeah. of things that, that should be better. It should be kind of easier and it should be a little bit more professional. And it, you know, I mean, like authors and illustrators are the content creators. So I, I don't, it's, it could be better to put it yeah. briefly. It's like, well, it's publishing a long game. Yeah. I mean, that's because somebody doesn't respond to an email for eight months, which is, which is <laughs> in any other industry, kind of feel like that's an unprofessional practice. It is an unprofessional practice. Right. It just takes minutes. Like illustrators all would just want a few minutes of someone's time to respond back with yes, no, maybe work on that. But it's, right. it's just totally accepted. It's something I've been harping about past few episodes and <laughs> maybe I shouldn't, but um, yeah. I don't know. It sucks. Well, and I feel like um, the, the publishing industry and the children's book in particular, like the way to get to them is through postcards, you know, which is, which is fine. But like, especially right now during um, the, the pandemic, it's like, how do you, you, how do you reach them now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're all saying, I don't read my emails, you know, because I have too many, but how do you yeah. reach them? I mean, social media, obviously, but it, it is, it feels kind of impossible to reach them. Speaking of postcards, I did want to mention, talk about this a little bit later, but you know what? We're on it. So look, sending out postcards is a piece of advice that every illustrator who's, who's been to a conference or who's talked to me or has, you know, everyone hears that you send out postcards. Mm-hmm. You hear it at school, wherever. And I mean, you were sending postcards for more than 10 years without getting a whole lot back. Is that true? Right. But but side note, side note, when you came to Utah and um, you looked at my portfolio, you you said something like, you sent me postcards and, you know, I've noticed a change in your your artwork. So like... Uh, when you were an art director, I remember thinking, wow, they actually look at the postcards, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool to me to like, you know, make that connection. But um, yeah, I've, I've sent out many, many postcards over the years. And over the last, the last few years, I've been really focused on the big five publishers Mm -hmm. because that's really where I want to be published. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I've, I did very, a very, very long time ago, get a job from cricket magazines from the postcards, but that's about all the response I've gotten to postcards over more than 10 years of sending postcards out. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years, 15 years of sending postcards out (laughs) one job or whatever. Wow. Right. I, I mean, I got a lot of jobs from my agent, um, mm-hmm. and I also got jobs from uh, board games, uh, just from online stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the postcards haven't gotten any responses. And yet, I still think it's a something you have to do because some people do get jobs through them. Mm-hmm. So I remember visiting Utah and uh, your chapter back in 2016. Um, was that that like kind of like historical society moose lodge 
place. The the sons of the Utah pioneers. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, but you know, yeah. I've I've gone to a bunch of these over the years, and some are memorable, some aren't. That one was absolutely mm-hmm. memorable. I can recall to the minute how things played out that entire day. It was just welcoming and warm, and everyone was super friendly. Um, I remember Manel was um, especially nice and just like it was it was really, really welcoming. And I kind of feel like you have a lot to do with that because that's that's kind of your jam. I mean, you're you're someone who people know as being welcoming, very supportive, um, certainly someone who goes above and beyond for the community. And oh, thank you. Oh, it's true. How important do you think it is for illustrators to be part of some kind of community? Oh, it's so important. I don't think I, I definitely would not be where I am without my community. I've had a critique group that I've run since maybe 2006. You still run it? Um, yeah, we, we meet every month. Right now we're meeting online, obviously. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, that's, um, uh, I listened to an old Stories Unbound and you were talking about critique groups. And is this the same group? I mean, that was 2000 and yeah, that was a long yeah. time ago. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Yep. Well it's done. It's the same critique group. And, you know, and um, we not only support each other, like help each other with critiquing your work, but also in helping each other's careers move along and with right. the decisions we're making and stuff, which I love. Um, yeah. that is so important. And I, I also, like you said, help put together the yearly illustrators conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Jim Hoover this year, but he, at the last minute he wasn't able to come because it, it was right at the beginning of March. And that's when all the crazy stuff was starting to happen. Yeah. Uh, but he was able to attend online. So, yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's also my best friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, hi, Jim, if you're listening. So uh, we mentioned Stories Unbound a few times, and um, you were the host of a podcast. Yeah. It launched yeah. in 2016. When did it launch? Uh, December 2015. Okay. You gave me my first podcast interview. That was my first one. Yes. Yep. And you let me ramble way too long. I mean, I just, I listened to it years ago and I was like, God damn, just stop talking, dude. Um, yeah, it, actually you were, um, you were my first interview on that show. Really? And yes. Oh, yeah. Didn't know that. You weren't my okay. first, um, uh, my first episode was like kind of a compilation of different illustrators that I knew. And I uh, just asked them, you know, what was going on in the industry and they answered it. Actually, yeah. Kelly Light was on my first episode. <laughs> just like you. It's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were my first interview and uh, I, I had um, a guest co-host, which was Renee Carilla. That's right. She was actually going to be my my co-host, but uh, she decided against it uh, because she had a lot of stuff going on with her illustration. Right. And now she has um, more stuff going on. Yeah. She's doing amazing things. She is doing amazing things. 
it, I was really, really nervous to interview you, but it was, it was really fun to learn from you. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was such a weird, it was such a, um, it was such an interesting experience for me because I was feeling like who the heck would want to hear from me. And then also feeling like this is, this is cool. Like something I'm doing actually has value. Like it was just, it was just kind of like legitimizing some stuff for me internally. And, uh, it, it mm. just was a really good feeling. The thing about Stories Unbound that I thought was interesting then and even actually more so now, now that I have my own podcast, is that, you know, obviously you and I both know and people listening know there are other podcasts within similar circles to each their own. Everyone does their own thing and it's all lovely. Mm-hmm. But I liked Stories Unbound more than let's just call them the other ones because like what you, what you were doing, you were not just going like, here's specifically this niche topic and we're just going to talk about it for every episode. Your episodes didn't feel like check boxes on some publicity assistance to do list. And it really mm-hmm. also wasn't, even though you were and continue to be, super kind and really just genuinely into the subject matter or to the person that you're talking to. It wasn't a love fest either. It was just this like really (laughs) great conversation in which you were, you or you and your guest host were trying to get at something and put together a package of like information and inspiration and all that for your listener. I really wanted it to be like a, really of value to them right. that they could learn, learn from for their careers. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You are one of the listeners, you know I mean? You are the person you're talking to. So there wasn't any like holier than thou gossipy insider Gabby kind of <laughs> stuff, which other podcasts have. It just was like, it checked every single box for me in terms of like the kind of podcast I would want to listen to. And then ultimately when I started creating this one, the more I thought about this episode, the more I started thought about like what we were going to talk about and stuff, the more I thought like, man, stories unbound was it like that's, that was the template. I just, it did never, the connection never really occurred to me until, until this episode. Oh, for, well, for, thank you. I love your podcast. I love listening to what you, yeah, you the, make. And that's what I was getting at. Shana. I was trying it. to get you, I was trying to pull some <laughs> kind of compliment out of you. Good Lord. <laughs> took, took long enough. <laughs> um no but seriously though i mean you know it ended it ended way sooner than i thought it should have and you had some seriously great guests art directors from animation studios and um editors agents different topics different formats it was it was really great can i ask you why did it end so soon um, it was, it was mostly things that were just going on in the company. Okay. Um, there were, there was, they started another podcast and I think it was kind of the, the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back and it was just, it just was too much. I think, um, I, I, I did one more interview that never aired and that was one with Dan Santat and it was a really, really amazing, inspiring episode that I wish I could have shared with the world, but it, it never got out. 
Mm. Um, and I, the thing that I was sad about was that I wasn't able to ever like say goodbye to my listeners and kind of, you know, have closure with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got that chance. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I think it was also kind of uh, good timing though for me um, just because I was able to um, start working on my career more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. What did you dislike most about podcasting other than Skype crapping out on you every 10 minutes and, or dozens <laughs> of cars beeping outside of your home? <laughs> I think it, like the backend stuff, I didn't have to do a lot of the editing, but just writing blog posts and just getting all the stuff ready mm-hmm. to go every month, I guess, mm-hmm. was was my least favorite part. But I, I love, loved talking to the guests and learning from them and, you know, being able to talk to people that maybe I wouldn't usually have been able to talk to because right. I don't know if I It's a little them. funny, though, don't you think? Like you try and get at their attention with queries and submissions and postcards and emails and uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter retweets and all, you know, Instagram likes, Zippo. But if you invite them to your podcast, they're your best, fr- they're your best friend. It's right. It's interesting. Right. I'm not complaining. I mean, who the heck, like, <laughs> there's no reason Kevin Eastman would ever want to talk to me uh, had I not had a podcast. So it's, I'm not going to complain about that. It's funny. But there, but there was also people that, that I never heard back from, or it was just hard. It was just hard to, you know, get a hold of them at all. Yeah. So was that one of the bigger frustrations for you? Sort of like communicating and trying to get people to get back to you and things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, them just not being interested, which made me sad, but (laughs) yeah. When did you get your third agent? Well, I actually ended my uh, second agent relationship in 2015 before my book even came out. So <laughs> that's kind of funny. But um, Well, I mean, I have to ask, and obviously you can keep it as non-specific as humanly possible, but what ended that relationship? The agent was just not a good agent and just okay. not good at communicating, I guess. So All right. and it just then, wasn't, it just didn't work out well yeah. for me. So yeah. it happens. Yeah. It certainly happens. Yeah. And then you fast forward to th- four years later, you, you find yourself with a third agent, which is a relatively yeah, um, newish development. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it was uh, four years in between and lots of sending out my work and lots of rejections. What were you hearing? Other than silence. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, just a lot of this isn't for me. Or uh, what a, a lot of what I heard was, um, I, I like the story, but the illustration style isn't quite for me. Okay. And that kind of got me changing my style. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I kind of looked at um, what was a little more contemporary in styles and I wanted to keep my own style, but then kind of evolve it to look a little more contemporary. And so that's what I did. And, um, 
back in 2019, um, I started sending out my stuff again. And this time I got uh, four agents offering me representation. So that was pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And so I got to choose my agent. And um, I I really, really love my agent that I have now. She's amazing. Yep. It takes a minute, doesn't it? Like you have to sort of sometimes go through the little, the gauntlet and make some of these, not mistakes, but have those kinds of experiences that maybe you weren't anticipating you'd ever have to go through when you were starting off, you know, uh, as a college grad or early on in your career. Like, well, that's not the way I wanted it to work out. Well, it's okay. It's all right though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned Mercer Mayer Mm -hmm. and, uh, I mean, I'm also a fan of Mercer Mayers, and he's got a, just a great quote on rejection. It goes like this. You are going to get rejected. Expect it, accept it, and move on. Keep beating down the doors until someone answers you. Mm. Which is like, obviously. I love it. But to hear someone like Mercer Mayer say that, like if I say yeah. it, who cares? But if Mercer Mayer says it, <laughs> it, it actually means something. It really does. Right. That really means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and hearing the stories of um, authors and illustrators that you really admire and hearing how many times they were rejected. I was just listening to a book written by Madeline, Madeline Langle and yeah. talking, she's talking about how she, it took her uh, two years and or it was like 200 rejections to get A Wrinkle in Time published. Yeah. So, Yeah. Keeps you going. <laughs> yeah, it does. And and even like with Mercer Mayer, he did the thing where he walked around and uh, he showed art directors his portfolio. And one art director said to him he, that he needed to throw his portfolio away. Ugh. And you're gonna get you're gonna get a few of those comments sometimes. I mean, it's like, and you yeah. know this. You talked about critiquing how to productively critique somebody. And yeah. uh, don't ever tell anyone that they should throw their portfolio away. That's just nuts. yeah, yeah. You gotta give you gotta give people like constructive criticism, things that they can grow on. Yeah, I wish it were easier, but yeah, to want to get especially like specifically with children's books, but this applies kind of everywhere. You have to kind of engage in ways that aren't actively making you money like you have to create critique groups and you have to work on your personal projects and you have to reach out to this person and you actually have to spend money and Mm -hmm. you're doing all of these things and putting so much effort and getting very minimal traction right and and everyone's telling you that's just the way it is that's how it's done and it's frustrating it's it's I wish it were better. I wish that you didn't have to send 15 years worth of postcards only to get less than half dozen jobs. I mean, I wish that your first agent was your dream agent, but life just doesn't work out that way. Right. But I I don't regret any of that. Right. I um, think that's because, an important point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like because like all the the bad jobs and all the, you know, hard things, it like, it made me push harder and it made me want 
my dream job more. <laughs> um, right. it, it led me to be better, yeah. you know, was there ever a point in your career where you thought to yourself, like, I'm done, I'm just done. I think there was like a point where I just, I felt guilty, um, you know, being a working mom and working on all these, um, educational, hard, really fast jobs. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I was like, um, doing what I need to do as a mom. And I was like, why am I doing this? I don't even like this. Um, and, and there's been, but that's, I, I think that's kind of the point where I started to think, started to kind of change, like, I need to stop doing this kind of job and I, I need to start trying for the thing I want to do. Mm -hmm. And there's also just been times when I've just been like so discouraged and been like, you know, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not getting jobs from these publishers, you know, mm -hmm. and why am I even trying? But, you know, there's just like this part of me that's like, they always say, if you're going to be an illustrator, it, you have to, do it because you can't not be an illustrator. And that's me. I can't not be an illustrator when I'm not drawing. And when I'm not creating, mm -hmm. um, that's when I'm not doing well mentally. So it ha like, it has to be a part of me. Yeah. Do you ever feel comfortable with your own work? No, no. I, I mean, it's, it's like every time, like, I feel like this is really good, you know, but then you send it out into the world and you just never know how, people are going to respond to it. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's always like, and every time you start a new piece, it's like, can I actually do this? Isn't that <laughs> am, I, am I actually good enough to do this? And, but somehow you get through it and right. Isn't that crazy though? <laughs> like you just finished a great piece and then you start your next one and that's your first thought. Why are illustrators right. so fraught with doubt i don't know i don't want to i don't want this to be a, a, another like hour and a half long conversation between uh sean and jc tang and Giuseppe <laughs> castellano and we're not going to make this a two-part episode so we're definitely going to end it uh, although i will say if i may as a listener uh, of stories unbound that it is really great to hear your voice in a podcast format again thank you yeah Maybe I'll do it again someday. I was just going to ask you that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've I'm thought about serious. it. Yeah, like Tenny's Tales, you, whatever I don't think I've ever told you this, but um, when we were at Stories Unbound, uh, we were trying to think of a co-host for me, and you were actually one of the people we were thinking of. Oh, but really? then we're like, no, he probably won't want to do that. <laughs> I would have said yes in five seconds. That would have been so much fun. Well, uh, let's remember that we do have some listeners uh, to the Illustration Department podcast, as well as listeners of Stories Unbound, I'm sure. Uh, and um, I mean, you've already imparted a heck of a lot of really great insight information here, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask you for one more. Yeah, well, I guess it's kind of my theme. <laughs> so I guess I've sort of already said it, but if you really love this and you feel like maybe you're, you're failing at it, don't give up because you know, you never know how long it's going to take. 
It might take 15, 20 years, but the world needs your stories that only you can tell. Mm -hmm. And always be looking for ways to improve. Go to um, classes online if things aren't working, tweak it, but don't give up. To learn more about Shauna, visit shaunajctenney.com. If you enjoyed our conversation, please share it with your friends, subscribe to the podcast, and provide a positive rating and review. Become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash illustration D-E-P-T. In return, you'll receive our soft enamel pin, a reusable discount code for 10% off, and access to patron-only episodes we're calling Extra Credit. This podcast is produced by the Illustration Department, a global leader in online education for illustrators. Visit us at illustrationdept.com for class offerings, testimonials, the alumni showcase, the podcast show notes, our new forum, the bookshop, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.